Welcome to the Small Business Big Life Podcast. My name is Derek Van Ness, and I'm the lead wealth strategist and founder at Big Life Financial, where we use innovative tax and financial strategies to help business owners keep more of the money they make and be a whole lot smarter at growing it. We believe every person has something unique and valuable to bring to the world, but far too often money stops them from sharing those gifts. We're here to fix that problem by helping people get money out of the way so they can unleash their full potential on the world. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll even reveal how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet. So let's get this thing started now. Well, welcome everybody to the Small Business Big Life Podcast. This is Derek Van Ness, super excited to be here. And today's guest is going to share some really incredible stuff with us. He and I have been talking prior to the show, and uh, he's built a tremendous business that I can't wait for you to hear more about. His name is David Chudik. And uh, David, welcome to the show. Hey, Derek. It's great to be here. Uh, It's uh... 2021 already. So uh, I guess the craziness of last year is uh, is over, right? And this is going to be a perfectly normal year. <laughs> I sure hope you're right. But uh, the first couple of days of the year lead me to believe that might not be the case. So that we'll is, see. That is correct. That's correct. So, <laughs> uh, But um, David, just tell us, tell us real quick, we're going to get into your business and how you built it and what you do and all that stuff. But just give us the, the nutshell version of, you know, who you are, what you do, and maybe just give us your website so that if people are watching just the first couple minutes of this podcast and can't finish it out, they kind of know and can check you out. Sure. Well, like you, I'm in the uh, the, the financial business and I, I'm the host of the Weekly Wealth Podcast, www.weeklywealthpodcast.com. I'm a certified financial planner. I work with a firm called Parallel Financial. We're a fiduciary firm and we really just, you know, our, 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 our job is to just help clients to live their lives that they want to live um, and, and not have money be an obstacle. Um, been married almost 22 years. So if you don't believe in miracles, uh, you should now, cause anybody who can spend 21 and a half years with me <clears throat> certainly is a miracle. Uh, I have twin 13 year olds and I have a 17 year old who is going off to college in six or seven months. So, uh, I'm going to be in full midlife crisis mode. <laughs> well, congratulations on making it that far. And, uh, I'm sure that that will be quite the transition. It will be. It will be. And you, you just don't know what college life is going to look like for kids this first year. Is it going to be shut down? Is it not? You, you just don't know. So there's a lot of unknowns in college and everywhere else in life nowadays, for sure. Sure. And maybe we can draw a parallel to that at some point here with financial stuff, because listen, there's a lot of things that are changing there too. And and how do you mitigate risk? And how do you do the things like you said, that are going to help you live a life that you want? And I'd love to dig into that in just a minute. But first, I always like to start out by having you share a piece of knowledge. If you had a chance and you could give someone just the best advice you could give them, your little brother or sister, they were starting a business or they had a business that was somewhat successful and you could give them your keys to the kingdom, what would you tell that person? What would you say to them? Yeah. So that's kind of an interesting question. Um, entrepreneurs tend to be very driven people and they actually tend to be pretty smart and people that can figure out how to do just about anything. So when you start your business, you have to figure out, Hey, who do I call to get the lights turned on? Who do I call to file payroll taxes? Who would I call for this? And who do I call for that? 
Um, my biggest advice is you need to get to the point where you are not the smartest person in your organization and you can ask yourself, can somebody else do this at least 75 or 80% as well as I can? And if the answer is yes, let them do it. And probably they can do it a lot better than 75 or 80% as well as you can. And then what you need to do is spend your time and your efforts on only the things that you can do. Typically, those are the, the revenue generating tasks, but not necessarily, but you need to do, all entrepreneurs have a unique ability that they are exceptionally good at, and they need to find ways to spend the majority of their time on their unique abilities. Awesome. You say unique ability, so I'm guessing you're either a Dan Sullivan fan or a Benjamin Hardy fan or somebody like that. Yeah, I spent a few years in um, in strategic coach. Um, uh-huh. This last year, they went to virtual, and it was just kind of hard to do. So, sure. but um, that's one of the core concepts of um, of strategic coach is that unique abilities. You are exceptionally good at something. I am exceptionally good at something. And even in the program, they ask you to send letters and emails to people who are close to you. Mm-hmm. And and the, the the gist of the email is, hey, I'm in this, this entrepreneur's program. And, and what do you think I'm really good at? And <clears throat> interestingly, uh, it, 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 and honestly, it didn't surprise me. The answers that I got was that I'm, I'm passionate and I'm a very good communicator where I'm passionate. I also got, you know, some negative feedback on sometimes not the most organized person, (laughs) sometimes maybe doesn't have a neat desk. So, you know, that, that, uh, that shows that we all need to get to the point where if we're not the most organized, we need to have someone who can help us be organized Mm -hmm. so that we can go out and communicate well with clients and do the things that only we can do. Yeah. It's funny as I, I went through strategic coach about 10 years ago and, uh, I started to think of businesses as like a puzzle and there's all these different pieces and Mm -hmm. you need to determine which pieces in that puzzle are you and which pieces are the other people. And I might be with you there where I might need a desk organizer because, uh, I, I have a tendency to have a lot of things on my desk at any given time. But think about the people with the completely clean desks, right? Uh-huh. They probably aren't the people that can go out and figure out ways to generate large amounts of revenue and, and have lots of sales. And that, that may be an overgeneralization, sure. but you know the world needs everybody. And if Agreed. your business is at the point where you can do everything, then it's just never going to grow. So it is hard though. Yeah. It's hard to give up, give up some control. And maybe if you have a team member and they, you hear them answering a client question and it's not, a, it's not wrong, but it's not exactly how you would have worded it. You still have to let them word it as long as it wasn't wrong. And then they're going to learn and maybe you give feedback at a time, but um, sure. you have to give up the reins, but also trust that you have good people too. Yeah. Well, and you, you bring up a really good point. Um, I've always thought this, and I was reading a book this morning on team building. And one of the things that that they talk about is, and I've always called it hire for character, train for skills. You can train someone how to answer the phone. You can train someone a script or whatever, but you can't train the willingness to listen, the willingness mm-hmm. to learn, the willingness to care, trustworthiness, integrity, these types of things. So I think you're hundred percent right. If you've got good people, like you said, maybe they won't do it the way you do, but if, if it's that big a deal, you can just train them to, to be little a little coaching. bit more consistent. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And I think there's a fine line. I think leadership requires 
kind of an art to how much coaching do you give and how much freedom do you give? I mean, there are certain, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what part of the country you are and if there's Chick-fil-A where you were, where you live, but yeah, you don't have the option to not say it'll be my pleasure at Chick-fil-A. That is just part of the culture and it's just not an option, but there may be some other parts of Chick-fil-A where you do have a little bit of uh, freedom in, in what you can do as long as it's in the best interest of the client. So I think you have to have some, 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 some guidelines that are really set mm-hmm. in stone and some that, uh, you know, ha- have a little bit, a uh, little bit of discretion and we all can deal with clients in different ways. I, I tend to be a little sarcastic and normally <laughs> it works and other times, uh, you know, maybe other people are a little bit more direct and it's all, it's all okay. As long as it's done with their best interest in mind. Absolutely. So l- let me rewind us a little bit here. You know, you've, you've mentioned a couple of things that are two, three, four iterations into a business, but but just share, share, share with me real quick your business journey. How'd you get into this field? Um, I know there are a lot of people who are interested in finances, but quite frankly, a lot of people that I know don't grow up thinking they're going to be a financial person. Um, I know I didn't, right? I thought of myself as very creative and, and a bunch of other things, but somehow I found, found my way here. So maybe just share with me, how'd you get started? What do you think were the first couple really important milestones and lessons that you learned in your business? And, uh, and how did those get you going on your way? Yeah, so it's really interesting. Um, I've always been fascinated by money. And that's partially because growing up, I didn't know that we didn't really have that much money. But money was always a topic that was maybe, you know, we can't do that. We don't have enough money. Or we don't, um, you mm-hmm. know, those people have more money than we do. And and we're all, whatever your norm of, of how you were brought up around money is kind of how you think about it. But I've always been fascinated by money. And when I went to school, when I went to college, I did a lot of driving and I listened to talk shows about money and, and really started hmm. learning about investing and, and um, you know, how you can buy, you know, a little piece of a company. And then all of a sudden you're making money by not doing anything. You're just, your, your, your stock is going up in value. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I've, I always just wanted wanted freedom, and I wanted uh, the the potential at least to be able to earn a significant living. So after college or during college, I was actually a tennis pro at a big um, tennis club, and I loved that, and that was awesome. And I got to hit tennis balls for a living, and I really learned a lot <laughs> about leadership there, and um, honestly, how to use communication to uh, influence people. If I'm asking you to to do something that's physically uncomfortable, um, there are certain ways maybe I could verbalize how to how to take a racket back differently or mm-hmm. or to um, use better footwork or even if you're a lazy junior, maybe to get you to hustle a little bit more. <laughs> and then um, uh, my my future wife's uh, parents uh, wanted us to come and uh, uh, they offered us a partial ownership in a restaurant at her, in her hometown and seemed like a great idea to come work for the in-laws and we're just going to leave it at that. And that didn't last all that long, but it was good. It it was a very good ending on both sides. It just, there's some decisions that you make that you look back and you think, yeah, there's really no reason anybody involved should have thought this would really work out well. Um, And then, so I started looking around at some other options. I did a little stint in retail. Um, Retail becomes a a competition of who can work more hours or be at work more hours, but never actually work. So it's a, it's a competition of who can, who can be there from open to close more. And um, I just was not in a position where I wanted to feel like I I'm in a competition of who can work more hours and not necessarily make more money. 
So I found a job at a state farm office as a financial services rep, and I just fell in love with that. And then I figured, you know, if I ever have a chance to go out on my own, I'm going to go out on my own because this is something I really enjoy. Um, I was able to purchase a, a, an insurance book of business, a property and casualty book of business about 15 years ago. Along with that, I had the the um, the ability to to help clients with investments and and all sorts of uh, wealth management. I got my CFP and then I had a contractual change to where I was able to join a, 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 a parallel financial, which is a, a wealth management firm. So, so now we basically, we have two legs of our office. We have uh, the financial planning leg, which, which I work with parallel financial. And we, we do a lot of cool things and high level things with, with, um, mostly higher net worth clients, but we'll work. I'll work with anybody because I want. I always. I don't. I don't ever want to be too big to help help the small guy. Mm-hmm. But my office also does property and casualty insurance. So if uh, if somebody feels like they, um, you know, they would like home or auto insurance, we have people that can help with that. And then the whole idea is is hopefully we can help them with their investments as well too. So a lot going sure. on. Yeah, yeah, there there is a lot going on. And I want to jump back just a little bit to something you said, you know, you had a chance to start at the State Farm office, and you realized you really loved it. Uh, and you sound like you were a little bit surprised by that. I know I was surprised. I didn't think I was going to be in financial services, but I, I really love helping and teaching people. Um, were you surprised when you when you found that? I was surprised that I enjoyed it in the sense that you tend to think of, man, people are going to think I'm selling them something and sales is kind of that bad word. And, Mm -hmm. um, but when a few people say, okay, that's a great idea. Is this the product that I should buy? This is what you're recommending. Yeah. Just tell me where to sign. I mean, to me, that's one of the most exhilarating feelings is when people genuinely trust you and whether it's with their hundred dollar per month Roth IRA or, or it's with their whole several hundred thousand dollar nest egg, it doesn't matter because it's all that they have. And when they trust you with everything, that just is something that I really, really appreciate, and and I've always taken taken that responsibility pretty heavily too, because um, as you know, in in this business, there are different ways to get paid, and sometimes one product may pay a, a lot more than another product, and, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with any specific type of a product. You, we just need to always be fiduciaries and be cognizant on we need to do the best for the client and put put aside the way that we get paid. So. I so agree hundred percent. It, it, it was really, but, but also to see some of, you know, when I'm in my early twenties, see some, some decent commission checks uh, come in was not a bad thing either. <laughs> yeah. It, it really helps you to say, wow, I could turn this into a career. This is something I could do and, you know, have that kind of hope is, is exciting. Now uh, I want to get in, in a minute here into what you guys do that makes you unique as a company now, but back then, what do you think you did to to find success? Cause a lot of people going into financial services or going into insurance or some of these things, you know, you can almost think of those as like commodities in the sense that there's a lot of people that do them. And, and uh, why do you think people chose to work with you and, and what advice would you give to a business owner where they could maybe take some of your, your wisdom, your knowledge, your experience in that? Yeah. So I heard early in my career that and this is probably even more true now than it was then, is that we need to do what an 800 number can't do. So mm-hmm. on our insurance end, we just simply do not advertise, call us, save money, you know, free quotes. We just don't do that because 
you can always find cheaper anything anywhere on the internet. I mean, sure. w- within reason. Mm-hmm. And if you're coming to us because my office manager was able to save you $4 a month on your car insurance, well, it's going to go up at a point. And then, you know, if price was the only value we were able to offer you, then you're going to leave us when price becomes an issue. Mm-hmm. So, you know, on that end, it became, I became pretty passionate about making sure that, that our clients are handled correctly. And I always use phraseology, like we'll do the best that we can to make sure that you're in a better position than you were before you were with us. Mm-hmm. Now, nowhere did I say we're going to guarantee we're going to save you money. Now, obviously, right. you know, nobody likes, you know, saving a little bit of money every month is not a, not a bad thing, but, um, if, if you could um, phrase it to where, you know, for an extra $7 a month, you have another $250,000 of, of, um, of protection. Um, and then let's say I do know, I, I did a little fact finding and I know that you have some assets. Well, then that's something that you're going to appreciate as a, as a client. Cause not everybody, see, the thing is, Derek, you and I, and everybody, we all spend resources where we see value. If we don't see value, we don't spend resources there. Mm-hmm. So there are places in your life where you just buy the cheapest of it, whatever it is. Sure. So you might buy, you know, Walmart brand toilet cleaner because you don't believe that the higher price toilet cleaner is better or not. Now it may or may not be, but it doesn't matter. It's what you believe. Right. Um, there are people that buy thousand dollar shoes. Now, do they help you to walk any better than the $30 shoes? I don't know, but it's all about value. (laughs) So, you know, my goal has always been to show value above price and, and, and not everybody sees it, but um, it's certainly something that uh, when you have a client that sees the value in what you provide, you're not having to fight to keep them all the time. Absolutely. I'm a hundred percent a believer in that people buy things based on price, which is just the cheapest and on value. And we're in the value model because it's really hard to win the price game. Like Walmart and Amazon win the price game, but everyone else loses. So if you're not Walmart or Amazon for your industry, you really need to bring something. I like how you said it, that that an 800 number can't or a phone system can't answer for someone. And that's that personalization. And I truly believe in what we do that uh, educating and working with the person is so much more important than just the assets. Right, because uh, I think you said it in your language. My way of saying it is, we get money out of the way so you can live the life you're here to live. Right, big life financial, and you basically said the same thing in your own words. Like we, we want people to to build a life they love um, by by us helping them with their finances. And and a computer can't do that. A robot, you know, a robo advisor. I've heard people say, "Oh, what happens when the robo advisors come along?" And I'm like, they better learn about empathy. They better learn about human emotion. Because if you're just crunching the numbers, there's a lot of things that look good on paper that suck in real life, right? Well, and I'm sure that you're looking at some of the same things that I am with clients in addition to rates of return, right? So sure. all these things, the robo-advisor is not saying, hey, Derek, let me look at the the life insurance policy that you bought 10 years ago. I want to look at that and confirm that the beneficiaries are still who you want them to be. Let's right. say you're on a second marriage and let's say you just never thought to to change it from from your your first wife or anything like that. Robo-advisor is not doing that. Robo-advisor may or may not be providing low-cost investment advisory services, but they're not telling you, let's make sure your your beneficiaries are correct or, right. or Derek, 
we we've talked and and one of the things that you said is very valuable to you is 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 the ability to be generous so there's someone you need to write a big check to there's an organization that you know you need to write a big check to and that's going to fulfill your life yeah um and robo advisor is not doing that and and I talk to my clients about giving and obviously I, I even make less money because there's less money to, 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 to manage if, if they give away, but that's part of what, what brings all of us meaning in life is, is giving. And yeah. um, those are all the things that the robo advisors do not do. Yeah. I call it, you know, people talk about ROI, right? Return on investment. I call it ROE return on emotion. Yeah. And, and there's a value to that. Cause like a simple example is people asking, should I pay my house off early? Right. And if we just look at it from a purely economic standpoint, paying your house off early, like dollars and cents doesn't actually make sense. Right. But for some people, it's really important emotionally. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have that conversation back and forth. And I don't think a robo advisor can have that conversation because there's there's a story for either side, depending on that emotion and the rate of return. Right. Well, and I'm not not sure what your what your spiritual beliefs are, but there are people and I'm, I'm, I'm for sure a Christian, but, and there are people that, that believe that any debt is, is just unbiblical. Mm. And for me to argue with you, if that's your feeling, I'm number one, I'm not going to win. And number <laughs> two, it's, it's not going to enhance your life if you're going against what you believe is biblical. So Agreed. paying off your mortgage early, even though mathematically it may, I agree, it may not make the most sense. If it's a core value, then it needs to be done by you. So I don't really have right. that many. I, 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 there's a lot of parts of financial planning that I can see both sides. There, there, there are very few areas where I'll insist on something. Um, but uh, let's say a personal umbrella, you know, a million or $2 million liability policy that costs you $200 a year. I'm pretty much going to say, look, dude, if you don't buy just this, do it. I don't, yes. I don't know that, you know, we're not going to argue about it. Just buy it because if you kill someone and you don't have the $2 million of coverage, but you know, if, if, if you want to pay off your home or not pay off your home, the bottom line is if you're accumulating assets, I mean, if your house is not paid off, but you have enough money in an account to write one check for it, if you wanted to, then in my mind, that's not really dead, but um, me too. You know, it, uh, but if you feel like you just need to have it paid off, then that's fine as well. Cause again, that is the experience and that's the comfort level for you personally. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that because my guess is a lot of your success, David is, is this exact thing. You really honor the values of other people. You really honor their needs and what they're trying to accomplish first. And, um, and I think that's super valuable. So I, I appreciate you bringing that up because I think sometimes people get into business for financial reasons and they, they sometimes get really transactional. And uh, I don't know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on if you've had any experience, if you've seen that, but just treating a business, you know, really coming from the place of the heart, as opposed to something that's a bit more money driven or transactional. And, and how do you find that balance? Yeah. Well, you know, and it's hard because your business still has bills to pay, right? So if you don't take <laughs> on a customer, uh, you, you don't get to call the electric company and say, well, you know, I don't have any money to pay the bill, but, uh, my clients that, you know, I haven't been really transactional. I've been trying to offer value. So, you know, you do need to, to, to sell something or to sell your advice or to bring on clients. So it, it can be tough. Um, but over time you have to stick with what you, what you say that you're going to do. And, um, if you're, if you're saying that you're, 
your ultimate goal of your business is to help your clients live a letter, better life by how they handle their money, um, there are enough people out there that that would certainly agree with that and 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 love to be a client. Mm-hmm. You just have to you have to you have to stick with it. Um, like you said, Walmart and Amazon, they're pretty much a low price convenience and that's their value proposition. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if Walmart started to compete on customer experience, they're, they're not going to win. They, they can't beat the Neiman Marcus because that's not what they do. Right. So you have to do what you do and do it really, really well. Yeah, I agree with that a hundred percent. So I want to shift gears here a little bit. You guys are now a big, robust company. It looks like you've got multiple divisions and different things. And a question that comes up a lot, and this is something that I'm always interested in hearing from from business owners like yourself is, how did you pick the people who you've chosen to go into business with, whether those be partners or employees or whatever? What's your philosophy in that way? How do you find good people? I have... Going back to our unique abilities, the picking Uh people... (laughs) Uh-huh. <laughs> not one, not one of my unique abilities. So <laughs> I have learned very tough lessons that you need to team up with people and organizations that can lift you up. If 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 you're looking for a team member, being some sort of an employee or a contractor, you cannot feel like I'm a generous person and I'm going to bring this person on and I don't expect anything in return because Mm -hmm. you need something in return or else the business goes under. So I've hired people that were not quality. I've hired people that were not competent thinking that I would give them a chance and looking back, kind of going back, I believe we should all be generous. I believe Mm -hmm. I should have just written these people a check and said, here's money if you would like some coaching on how to balance your checkbook or even some basic life coaching, I'll do whatever I can, but you can't work here because <laughs> money disappears when you're here. We had, you know, you hire someone and then the cash drawer is short and all, and, mm. and those kind of things. So mm. you have to hire quality and, it, and it's hard. And sometimes quality costs more than, than, than low quality as well. But kind of going back to that, you can't do everything. You have to hire people that can, that can be, be trustworthy and, and can, can, can do what they need to do. And I'm very blessed there. And then in teaming up with uh, Parallel Financial, it's just a great group of people that they align with me uh, philosophically. Mm-hmm. And um, they they also align very well with um, having different people in different roles. So we have a chief investment officer who, who handles, uh, who, who, who runs the uh, the investment management team? So I personally am kind of given some direction, but I'm not personally managing assets. I'm I'm managing mm-hmm. relationships with the clients. Mm-hmm. We have client relationship managers that are handling all. Remember those things I said detail wise. I'm not good at. Yeah. Well, uh, my firm has people that handle that. So if you needed some money out of your IRA, that kind of gets handled by somebody other than me, right? So then it gets done <laughs> and you don't call screaming, say, I requested money two months ago and nobody sent it to me. Um, we, and we have kind of a special, a, a departmental type of organization. So what it allows me to do is to work on within my unique abilities, which again, is that communication and developing relationships and and kind of being mm-hmm. that coach to my clients. And then I get to kind of direct everything else. So that's worked out very well for me. Now, I know you're, uh, you know, we, we talked about strategic coach and unique ability. Do you do that at all for your employees to help, you know, put, put the right people in the right places or how do you uh, go about that? 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's hard because until you are a, and I remember in, in strategic coach, they were talking, I believe it was the Hershey corporation people's Colby scores would be posted outside of their office and a huge corporation can afford to have enough people to wear the right Colby scores. And Colby is a personality assessment that, that kind of tells uh, some things about your personality and, and by knowing somebody's score, you might know how to deal with them most effectively. So big companies Mm -hmm. have the resources to say, well, you know, Derek and David, they, um, their Colby scores may not quite match up and they might not work very well together. And if they, but if they don't here's some ways to coach them, well, small businesses, we don't have those resources. So the way that I've kind of handled getting the tasks off my local team's plate that they're not particularly great at or don't love doing is we do have a, um, have an offshore VA service that can handle tasks. So very, you know, administrative type tasks that are time consuming, very important, but they still, they still need to be done. So uploading documents. And I find that, you know, the things like uploading documents and, you know, they should take five seconds, but they end up taking 10 minutes because it's a distraction. And then, mm-hmm. so I think I offshore well. VA service, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Offshore uh, VA services can, can be very helpful there. And it's very interesting. My offshore VA, we have a dedicated person. She is so thankful to have, so I think the alternatives of some offshore VAs of, of what they would do, you know, they're making what is good money for them and they're, they're very happy and thankful. And yeah. um, so that that's worked out very, very well. Great to hear. Yeah. I've done some, some work with VAs as well and, and found the same thing that they are the people I've worked with have been very grateful and thankful and do great work. And it's a win-win for everybody. It's super cool. So, I, I and, and what it does is it helps you to be very thoughtful on your processes, because if your VA is not physically in the office um, and you need to explain how to do something, you can learn how to do things pretty efficiently and, and teach them kind of the steps of what needs to be done and what doesn't need to be done. And they can learn to do things very efficiently and take, take items off of, off of our plate. So I've, I've, I've enjoyed the, uh, the VA world. Very cool. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, so, so tell me, David, where, uh, well, what do you think it is that makes you different as a firm and, and where are you guys headed? You know, what's next? What are the big things that you're up to just kind of share with us your vision, but also, you know, what makes you different than every other CFP that's out there or, you know, investment firm. Cause obviously there's a couple of those in the world. So uh, sure. sh- share with us what, what do you think really sets you guys apart? Yeah. Well, the first thing we do is we bring kind of meaningful solutions proactively. Um, we, we're looking to enhance our clients' positions, financial positions proactively and not necessarily just try to get the highest return. Sometimes the highest return is not, not, not the best idea. If you're a 75-year-old lady who's a widow and has no sources of income and you were invested all in equities last year and got a 30% rate of return, that still was not appropriate because you, you, that that's not an allocation that makes sense. So we so look to lucky. bring, <laughs> you got lucky, it, you know, if you drove 20 miles without a seatbelt on today and didn't fly through the windshield, you still shouldn't drive without a seatbelt. Uh, it's just, it's not, it's not wise. Mm-hmm. So we look to bring proactive, uh, proactive, solve problems proactively uh, through, you know, some innovative, we, we do have some innovative tax solutions um, and we look to partner with other firms and experts to, that can help us um, 
because nobody can know everything. So as a firm, we look to partner with other other firms and companies that are um, that are experts. And then also, um, it's not totally unique to us, but we are fee based. So that means that we really, you know, we're not making big commissions on 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 products, and we don't really have a. Um, a bias towards what we recommend for a client. Cause in a lot of ways mm-hmm. we do make the same amount of money um, or for pl- uh, charging up a, a planning fee and just the teamwork. Um, our team, <clears throat> uh, we have a former pro baseball player on our team. We have um, an attorney, we have uh, I'm a CFP and, and, you know, an entrepreneur, uh, we have actually another advisor was um, he was a, a, a cheerleader um, for Clemson University. So he was on the on the sidelines when and he met his wife there and, and she was a cheerleader. So he he won. Um, <laughs> yeah, he did. But yeah, yeah. Second best uh, position in college sports is male cheerleader be, be, be behind uh, quarterback. But um <laughs> Uh, so, so we have a very diverse team, um, and we have a chief investment officer, like I said, who who leads our investment management team, and 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 takes that off of us. I've I've dealt mm-hmm. with a lot of financial advisors, and I actually interviewed um, a couple of years ago with another firm, and and we were talking about you know managing money, and and kind of the the idea was yeah, you just pick a few ETFs, and every you know once a year you look at it, and you. You, do, you tell them you did a <laughs> review and it's not really um, investment management. If you're just quote, picking a few ETFs and just letting them sit there. So. I, I, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. The uh, I think trying to beat wall street at its game is it's a dedicated job. If someone's not doing that full time, you don't even have a chance, right? Like mm-hmm. you said, just parking money on the sidelines or, or guessing is, uh, is pretty tough. So um, well, and our firm has a process QRLT, so it's um, quality. So we 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 primarily invest in quality security. So we're not looking for the next. You know, you just put in three cents and you'll have forty million dollars by next year. Because yeah, those do happen, but but they don't happen very often. Yeah. We have rules based, so we have preset guidelines and when securities will be bought and sold, and at what points they'll be sold. Um, L uh, liquidity. We we typically invest in, in 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 investment interest instruments that are liquid, so our clients' money is not tied up. We have one or two models where there are some holding periods, but that's known up front. Sure, sure. And then tax, you know, T taxable. We we strive to invest in tax efficient <clears throat> manners, and when those mm-hmm. monies are outside of um, the qualified plans, that becomes very important. And with the new administration, I mean, even without a new administration, tax rates probably would have had to go up anyway because they're at such mm-hmm. historical lows. And we just printed, I don't even know how much money we printed. <laughs> four or five trillion dollars, yeah. Four or five, yeah, just four or five trillion, no big deal. So tax rates are <laughs> probably going to have to go up. So then, of course, we can do our best to lead our clients to within the rules, mm-hmm. um, whatever the rules become, to pay as, as low of a tax bill as they can. Yeah, yeah, it's funny because we talk a lot about that, especially with uh, with with the investment team that that I use. One of our rules is investment strategy is only as good as the tax strategy that accompanies it, right? Because if you make a bunch of money but you got to give half of it to Uncle Sam, that's not nearly as good as making less money but getting to keep most or all of it. So there's a there's a real big difference there. And like you said, no, paying taxes now or later, like that's a big difference. Well, and paying taxes now seems like a good idea. You know, if a few years from now we're in the 50 and 60% tax brackets, maybe maybe deferring makes more sense at that point. And that's kind of going to be the advisor's 
mm-hmm. where the advisor's expertise will come into play. But certainly at um, at these historically low tax brackets as they are now, um, if we can pay tax on the seed and have a tax-free harvest, generally speaking, that's a pretty good strategy. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot of conversations with people last year about why it might make sense to pay a lot of taxes this year because you know, you could get money out of 401ks or different things where it might be tied up if you needed it for your business without the penalties. If you had a down year, maybe you can get that money out at a lower rate and then put it back into the market uh, or do the other things you want to do with it. Um, And like you said, long-term, it it sure looks like taxes are going to have to go up. I do have this, I won't call this, this is just my own idea, but I have the idea that the Fed and the government might want to keep interest rates low so we have a little inflation. So all these trillions of dollars as they get paid back are a little cheaper to pay back over time um, because the dollars are worth a little less. I I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's going to happen, but uh, I could see how that could be advantageous. And a lot of people are really, you know, concerned about inflation, but if you've got a lot of debt or your house payments, like got you mortgaged up to here, maybe a little inflation will work. As long as you get the raises that go along with it, your house payment stays Mm -hmm. the same and it's, it gets a little cheaper in your in your world. So, lots I got to tell you, things. we moved this summer though, and and um, our new mortgage was two point eight or two point eight five. So, I'm not complaining about that at all. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it'll ever get much cheaper than that. I hope not, because that means we're going into negative interest rates, and I don't even know the macroeconomic impact of that. I've just heard it's not good, and anybody who goes there doesn't really come back from it. So, I think this mm-hmm. is it. This is the bottom. So, well, David, I I really appreciate all of the uh, insights and the ideas that you've shared about how you approach things and how you go about them. Um, Two quick things. If you could share with us again, where can people find you? How do they reach out? How do they connect with you? And then also, uh, if you've got any parting words of wisdom, anything that you think is important to share or, or wanted to bring up but didn't get to, love to hear that for you as we close out here. Absolutely. Well, first of all, I've enjoyed being here and and it's always interesting to talk with, you know, like-minded advisors that um share some some same general philosophy. So I appreciate the opportunity. Um I can be emailed at david at parallelfinancial.com. That's david at parallelfinancial.com, or you can just check out my podcast uh, website, www.weeklywealthpodcast.com. We put out an episode every week and really Uh, We talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the strategies to help you to build wealth. So just as an example, my episode that came out last week was about why I'm not making New Year's resolutions this year, because (laughs) number one, we never keep them. And I just talked about a few attitude shifts that I want to keep this year. And I think that'll be easier than saying I'm going to work out four hours a day and (laughs) eat 27 calories, um, because that'll last uh, a week and a half. Um, as far as a parting parting thought, um, money's not the root of all evil. Money is really just a tool for us to um, make our lives better. So my goal is always not to eliminate problems because problems are always going to happen. Um, I didn't cause COVID. I don't think you caused COVID. Um, but COVID happened, right? And that that caused problems. It caused physical problems. It caused um, financial problems. Um, but what my goal is and what I want for all of my clients for their goal to be is to be the, to, to be the cause of their own financial problems as little as humanly possible. And that <laughs> comes just by 
wise daily decisions. And it also comes by with wise long-term planning decisions. And ultimately the wise long-term planning decisions are kind of the ones that the advisor needs to be handling primarily. Mm-hmm. And the wise daily decisions are the ones that um, uh, you know need to be handled by, by the client themselves. I like it. I like it. Uh, a, a phrase that I like is right action leads to right result, right? So if you can really just focus on that, good things happen. So Thank you, David. You've uh, shared a wealth of your experience and and all the things that you've been able to do successfully. I really appreciate you taking some time stopping by. And uh, for those of you who haven't checked it out yet, definitely go check out his podcast. Sounds like they're doing a lot of really cool stuff, totally different things than we do. And uh, sounds super valuable because I love your perspective and appreciate you sharing it. Good deal. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Big Life Show. If you're a six or seven figure business owner who'd like to be on the show, we'd love to talk about it. Just visit biglifefinancial.com slash guest to get the ball rolling. And if you heard something you loved on the show today, don't be shy about sharing it. And if you do, be sure to use the hashtag smallbusinessbiglife so we can see that you're sharing the love. And heck, if we swoon over your post, we might even pass it on to our many thousands of followers to help share the love and the spotlight with you. Speaking of love, if you like today's show, be sure to hit that subscribe button. You know why? Because then you'll never miss another episode and you can get all the motivation, inspiration, and insights with every new episode. Also, if you want to see everything else we're up to on YouTube, social media, or even in real life, you can always visit us at biglifefinancial.com. Well, that's it for today. My name's Derek Van Ness, and I want to personally thank you for being a part of the small business Big Life movement. Now get out there. Create more than you consume, love people more than you need to, and believe in magic because yes, it does exist.